0: Hello, thank you for joining me. I'm James Wrigley, principal and financial advisor at Melbourne-based financial advice firm First Financial. Uh, On today's episode of the podcast, I'm joined by Daniel Gold. Uh, Daniel runs uh, a mortgage-broking business called Long Property. He hosts his own podcast called Long Property and is also author of the book called Long Property. So we obviously talk about Dan's uh, mortgage-broking business and where he's at at the moment, uh, but we also go back a little bit and look at, or have a chat about rather, the business that, uh, together with his wife, uh, they built an online retailing business that was acquired by Catch of the Day. It's quite an interesting story. I hope you enjoyed. Thank you.
1: We're on. We're That's on. <laughs> working. How good is that? <laughs> Finally. Take take seven. <laughs> take
0: take two. No, take two. We haven't got, got to take. <laughs> Not quite there yet. Uh, thank you, Dan, for coming along again. So. Dan and I sat here in this room a couple of weeks ago. We did had a good chat for about half an hour to ourselves, uh, and turns out it was all to ourselves. The uh, the streaming service didn't work so well. It didn't link the YouTube. We had nothing to show for it. So Dan, thank oh, you for got, coming we got, back. We got again. plenty of free time. What's what's half an hour, <laughs> yeah. right? That's
1: that's cool.
0: Coming back. Thanks for coming back again to have another chat. I put out on LinkedIn a few weeks back. Obviously, no new for a little while now. Wanted to try and have a chat with people that running their own business, particular interest uh, in those that somewhere along the journey have sold a business, which you you do both of. Um, maybe if we start with where you're at now, what are you doing now?
1: What is Dan, what is yeah, Dan Gold do right, now? Right now, uh, just a, a humble mortgage broking business called Long Property, and um, I've been in the the mortgage broking industry for five years now. Absolutely love it very lucky to have just found work that i really enjoy and um you know long properties in your business but it's going really well and you know just just thankful to have found, found cool stuff that that keeps us busy and and uh we find very rewarding yep and the team how many the team is uh just myself patrick and rachel so yep. i've got two support staff um we've pretty much been working together from day one they're excellent and uh yeah it's a nice little team effort the mortgage broking um, businesses, as you probably know, James, aren't you know particularly huge. Mm. Often it is just, you know, one-man-band style of business. Mm. It's not the type of operation that necessarily requires like a, a big infrastructure and or big brand name to support it. Often people are just coming to trusted individuals that, that they are willing to, um, you know, engage to, to help with their lending requirements. Mm. So even our small team of three people is probably on the bigger end of a typical mortgage-broking business and um yeah that's helped us to i guess deliver a good service and and and, and build a good client base so
0: thanks and early days
1: but and so if we go
0: back a bit so you've got a bit of a bit of a story around starting businesses and getting a phone call out of the blue and so maybe let's go back uni days what so post-uni what where, where did you end up
1: yeah so my career has pretty much just been uh, in two parts one is finance and one is business and then long property is really just a combination of those two finance and business together mm. um so and and i think that there's there's actually a lot in that like often when you're kind of scratching your head thinking about what's right for you or what's next it can often just come by combining you know interests Some and experiences interest, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that yeah it's, it's probably it's the best time to sure so um because uh, you know those two previous um journeys or chapters in in my life weren't particularly successful um you know i enjoy them both and and we got a lot out of it but um you know i was never like so i started in corporate finance investment banking and i was never like a gun analyst or a great investment banker i just kind of i think scraped in and um kind of plotted along for a few years and, and made some excellent contacts but it just wasn't for me, particularly at the early stage of investment banking careers. It's just purely analytical. You're behind a spreadsheet, night and day. And um, it's not like you know, the movies, uh, no. <laughs> but maybe at the more senior levels. <laughs> but um, I loved it. Like great, great group of friends, and uh, learned so much, and really benefited from just being part of like a very slick operation. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I just never felt right. I was never really good at the job, and and you know it lasted a few years, and then and then moved on and then um and then business my my wife and i had two small businesses and you know made some money lost some money again really enjoyed that whole chapter Mm -hmm. but uh you know we we sold a business which is what you're alluding to and and that was um successful on paper like we made a bit of money out of it we had no clue what we were doing nor did we i think really love that kind of work either Um, how did you get into it in the first place how do we get into it I think we so we Elise and I we were both we met at uni and then we we um, we were both working in investment banking together and neither of us liked it and we just wanted to try something different Um, but we probably got into it for the wrong reasons I think like if you're gonna start a business you want to have a damn good idea you know um, and you want to I think either have specialist knowledge or skills or insights um, or at least be able to bring people into your world that have those things um, to, to increase the likelihood of success. Mm-hmm. And I think for Elisa, we just like wanted to have a small business, but we never really had this brilliant idea or anything like that. So we were really just looking to get into a business, which is probably the wrong way to start a business. You should really have like an amazing idea first and then to- say, look, this is so good that we're going to, you know um quit our jobs and do everything else we, we kind of did it the reverse way but uh you know that funnily enough was the successful business yeah um and yeah it's like an online retailing business um called ladybub which was like a daily deal site for women and kids and um it just so happened that catch of the day wanted to get into the exact same business and um catch of the day for those of you that don't know is like um one of australia's largest online retailing businesses and uh you know that may have been the first daily deal site in australia certainly the most like mainstream and popular one and then um you know they wanted to start um specializing in a couple of different niches one of which was that women and kids and we were maybe um you know nine months into our journey when when they approached us and said hey you know why go it alone maybe you can work together with us on that so we ended up selling um a, a majority of stake in our business to them but like it's not some you know sale in, yeah. the, in the context of like successful startups you know we've been literally operating for nine months so you know we, we made a bit of money out of that but um not not big money at all um what was more exciting about it though was was then uh, working with them for the next 12 months and just um you know leveraging all of their resources to really accelerate the growth of our little baby or our little vision mm. and uh it just you know that was exhilarating yeah we grew very quickly and so that how did that did
0: they approach you like how did that come about how did that yeah sale so come
1: about? yeah so well there were two parts they invested a majority mistake in our business and then after 12 months of us working with them they bought the remaining yep. shares um how did it come about we literally just you know sunday morning woke up having a uh you know <laughs> making breakfast and we get a a call from uh, Hesy Lebovich who who is one of the co-founders of Catch of the Day, and just introduced himself. I knew who he was, but I had no relationship with him prior, and uh, he just wanted to catch up. And then, you know, we we caught up and started talking about all this, and, and one thing led to another. Um, but I think, you know, as you do when when you're just engaged with any business, you you, you probably have, um, you know, your ear on the ground with respect to who's doing what in, in the same vertical or industry. And I I think that's how they found out about us and, uh, they could have easily done. So, so, so they, they bought ladybub. We, we changed the name to mumgo.com.au, um, uh, and then, you know, built that business very quickly. And and I'm proud to say that it still exists today and it's one of their, you know, five odd businesses. that's operational. Clearly, it's making good money, and and that's part of their wholesale to to West funds, yeah, which is say, which is ridiculous. Recently, like, how, how can our little freaking <laughs> daily deal site, we had nothing to do with this? By no, the way, like disclaimer. I mean, we we started it, that we we are not responsible for any of its further kind of growth or success. They are, but uh, it is kind of still cool to think that our yeah. little. We were literally, um, you know, packing little you know onesies and 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 milk. From your house, you know, yeah, from our little apartment in 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 uh, in Port Melbourne. So good. And now, I mean, you know, have you seen catch of the day's warehousing facilities? They're like, you know, multi million dollar robotic kind of Goliath um, operations, and and you know, they pick and pack our little kid stuff that Mm. we we started with. So that's cool. Mm. Um, But uh, yeah, you know, they could have easily. Prior to them approaching us, they had just received an equity check of $80 million from a private equity firm in New York yeah. called Tiger Global. Okay. And um so they, they they had the resources. They could have easily done um Mumgo on their own. But I think one of their challenges at the time were they just needed um good operators to 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 run that business for them. Yeah. And they thought that by acquiring our business, um, really they could just get Elise and I to Lend a helping hand there. So technically, it was called like an acqui hire, yeah, okay. right? As opposed to like a full blown acquisition. Yeah, uh, an acqui hire was really just hiring good people, yeah. or they thought we were good people. You to, had to start on them, so they. Yeah, yeah. So, so we talent. had like five thousand subscribers to our little business um, on an email list or whatever. Uh, when they took us over, and then to put it into context, five thousand became over two hundred and fifty thousand within the course of about a year. Yeah. Um, they cross-marketed everything that we were doing to their broader Catch of the Day audience, yeah. which was in the millions. Yeah. And then, you know, any women that were interested in that inherently became interested in us and mm. we built a little community of it. Yeah. So, yeah, it was like, it's really fun thinking back to it and it's kind of cool to just follow its journey. But... Um, it's part of the yeah. part of the part of the ride, I and suppose, then yeah. and then after Mumgo, where
0: where did things take you after that? Yeah,
1: so so after twelve months at Catch the Day, they like I said had all these resources, um, which meant that they uh, we built a we built a, a brand and a community, and then it was uh, always the plan for them to basically amalgamate that into their their broader operation. So instead of. Um, like when Elise and I were there, we had our own copywriters and photographers and buyers and um, administrative um, you know, web technicians and things like that, but so did Catch of the Day and so did ScoopOn and so did Grocery Run and all that. So um, effectively, uh, Gabby and Hezzy made this call to, to centralise all of those functions under the one umbrella so that the buyers for Catch of the Day could also buy um, products for women and kids Mm. and so on and so forth with those other um functions too so at that point they really didn't didn't need us um uh uh, so they bought the remaining shares and then elise and i just we really kind of didn't know what to do we had a bit of money we had a lot of time we had no business ideas (laughs) but we um you know we, we were young and and we were driven and and we just wanted to um you know find what was next for us and then uh, you know we got into our second business, which was a complete disaster. Um, and we can talk about that if you like, although it's probably not you know it's not that interesting. But yeah, that was a hospitality business, and um, you know that was our next venture. We basically saw a concept in the US that we thought was brilliant. Yeah. We did zero market testing in Australia to actually figure out whether anyone else thought it was brilliant. And even although it was kind of a cool idea, we totally underestimated the complexity behind it. And uh, we gave it a fair crack, and we worked our asses off. Um and you know, we brought a few people along for the ride, but it just wasn't meant to be and and um it didn't work. So we ended up closing the business and walking away with our tails between our legs, realizing how, you know. There is an interesting story though that you shared last time about who took over one of the the premises. Ah, well, yeah. So we had um we it was a, a two unit hospitality kind of concept, a pizza concept. And um Thankfully, we found and negotiated very strong leases. Um, so Messina Gelato ended up um buying our business, but really they were just buying, buying the lease, the lease yeah, yeah, of two great shops on yeah. on Chapel Street and Bridge Road. Uh sorry, Bridge Road, Swan Street in Richmond. And um uh yeah, their two stores, their flagship stores in Melbourne are um are where we used to operate. Yeah. So and looking forward, so you've got oh, something I didn't didn't touch
0: on last time, <coughs> and, and after you after you left, uh, I had questions in my own head for the so last year. Now, yeah, you've written a book. Yeah, how, how do you write a book? How do you write a book? So you, so I go and write it, but how do you actually yeah. get it printed? Yeah, and, I learned a lot and, through
1: that process. How does that happen? So, um, well, I guess there are lots of different avenues. If you're a good writer, which I'm not, you can probably get a proper book deal and and like legit publication. But anyone can actually just um, write a self-published book and that's the avenue that I went down, pros and cons. Yeah, Um, Yeah. I mean, I think everyone approaches writing books in totally different ways. ways for me it was never like hey let's make a whole bunch of money off book sales Mm. definitely not but it was like wow i've learned so much over my little journey um i would love to document some of this stuff um i did and then you know i just thought that by writing a a book about business and and real estate um i might be able to i guess maybe develop some credit more credibility in in this space about being somebody that that's um you know, subject matter expert and and mm. and credible and trustworthy in that domain. So, yeah, um it was actually quite a painful process. <laughs> I okay. found writing it. How, how um, you it uh, Well, I'd been writing a blog for several years oh, prior. Yeah, yeah. So I leveraged a lot of um, the content from from that. Yeah. But even still, it, it would have taken uh, near a year okay. to write the book. Yeah. However, I was working full time job and yeah. and whatnot, so it was just like. In the mornings and in the evenings that i kind of come away and, and do that yeah but uh you know obviously if you devote time to it it could take longer uh, uh shorter but um the cool thing about it is i teamed up with this group called tableau um if anyone's interested in self-publishing check out tableau.com no tableau.io i think is their um their their url but um they're a really cool legit australian tech techie kind of startup, yeah, and their technology allows this. I've written this book called Long Property, okay, and you know, like I said, it's just self-published. It's available on Amazon.com and all the other uh, web platforms. However, if you go into like Barnes and Noble um, in the US and say, "I would like um, a copy of Long Property by Dan Gold," do you have that in stock? They would look it up on their computer and they would say, "Oh, we sorry, we don't have any copies." Currently in stock, but we can uh, you know have it here for you within forty-eight hours or yeah. something. This is somebody in the US yeah, yeah. doing that, and this is a small shitty little you know publication that I wrote. Yeah. Um, but that's what Tableau enables. So Tableau enables any you know self-published author to have their books available in physical retail outlets globally
0: yeah.
1: via their platform. How cool is that? So what they that order at Barnes and Noble and it gets printed on demand or something. Exactly. It yeah, gets exactly. printed on demand at one of, you know, the thousands of different warehouses that are capable of of like actually, you know, doing this form of, of mm. printing and, and and uh you know logistics. And then yeah, it, it rocks up at the Barnes and Noble store in, in the US and and that person can collect a copy. Now, in my case it's actually kind of irrelevant because long property would not have any relevance to an international audience and therefore you know no one find uh, my material particularly helpful or interesting there but for anyone else that might be interested in like telling their story or or writing a book that has international appeal definitely check out tableau.io because I mean I was just blown away how cool is that That you could never have done that a year or two ago and I think from what I understand they're like the first company that's ever done this in the world okay and now it's going to become like commonplace. And they're amazing guys, by the way. Ash, if you're you're watching, <laughs> uh, thanks for all your help. <laughs> and uh, I hope the business is going well. Yeah. And look, I, I've I, referred a few people to Tableau. I have. As you can see, I'm pretty passionate about I'll it. I'll check out the website afterwards. But so it's, it's, it's also just like quite a fulfilling like achievement just, just being able to say, I now have. Book yeah, like just to get all that stuff. Just out like I've hardly read stuff. any books, let alone yeah. written a book. No. <laughs> um, the
0: look, I, I, I know you've got to run, so last last question for you. If we're we're sitting here, in th- I've got fifteen minutes. We're yeah. sitting here in we're sitting here in three years. We're sitting here in three years. <laughs> what do you want to have happened professionally, personally, for that to have been a good three years?
1: That's a good question. My views on all this have 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 changed a lot oh, over the years. Yeah. yeah. So had you asked the young, green, Dan, like all of that, I would have told you, uh, take over the world and, you know, biggest business in the world, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, then you get older and you have kids and and um, you put things into perspective. And um, I just hope that in three years' time, we're still able to do what we're currently doing, which is just good work that we're really proud of. Um that we enjoy and that we've managed to maintain, if not strengthen, our reputation in the mortgage industry for just being really good operators that are, you know, setting a new benchmark for service excellence and and whatnot in the industry, Mm. which is very much my kind of goal. Yep.
0: So not not looking
1: to take over the world anymore. No, no, not at all. Maintain your solid business and keep doing what you're doing. Yeah, because... um, love the work. I find it very fulfilling. Um, people are just so thankful. I mean, you would get this. People are so thankful for the, for the work we do. Like we're just doing our jobs, Yeah. but it's but, the small things, isn't it? You, yeah. You would think it's small, but for
0: someone else, it's,
1: well, we're just doing our job and they're like, Oh massive. my God, damn, yeah. Patty rates. Thank you so much for helping us buy this home or for like, you know, rearranging all of our, our lending or whatnot. And we're like, no, that's cool. Like we get paid to do this from the banks, you know, mm. but, it just it's a it's a signal of how impactful some of the work that we do can be yeah. on people's lives. And that was that was always my thing in investment banking. It was like it's services driven, and and I've always very much had this kind of um, service-driven mindset. I I enjoy kind of helping people via a service-driven style of of work. Yeah. But but with mortgage broking, it's real people, real mums and dads, real, you know. And their personal lives, as opposed to corporate finance, which is large companies and you know, corporate balance and, sheets. Yeah. yeah, it's just like what you're doing there um, is 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 part of a much bigger system. That I, you know, pros and cons. Like it's exhilarating when you're doing a deal that's that's very large and written up in the AFR. Mm. Um, but I, I just, you know, I feel like I've got a stronger sense of purpose now just doing this, given the interpersonal relationships that we can deal with clients and, and helping them with their, their personal financial affairs. That seems to be, you know, um, relevant for them and, and just matches our, our little skill set. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, it's, it's also just about, um, I think, patience. Like, I'm only 35. I hope to be working for at least another 30 or 40 years, you don't have to take over the world in three, no. you know. Good like time. I hope I'm still like paying bills and and like, um, you know, just just yeah, growing a respectable business in that length of time. But but you know, if 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 you're doing what you do, then chances are you. Sorry, if if you're doing things that you enjoy doing and and you've got strong work ethic, I, I suppose that you know the likelihood of you being able to do well is higher. And then um, if you do well for long enough, then. Bigger opportunities can start presenting themselves. And who knows? Maybe like when the kids are a bit older and there's less, you know, there's less to, to be part of there, then there's other angles that we could explore. Yeah. But yeah, for now, just, um, you know, keeping out of trouble, doing our thing and uh, enjoying it. Okay. How about you? What, what do you want to be doing in future? Uh, much the same, really. Yeah. I think that's why we've that always connected. Kind of like we share that same kind of idea
0: with, 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 with this work ta- ta- taking over the world. Initially, I think everyone comes out of uni. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Until you realize Until how you realize ridiculously impossible like it is, how hard
1: it is to get a job in the first place, and then and, and also like, why do you want to take over the world? Yeah. Like, what's well, the real nah. driver there? Is it because you think that'll make you look good in front of your friends? Yeah. Do you want that life? Yeah. And if you're doing it without doing work that, that actually interests you, is it even enjoyable? Mm. Like, we just I think at the end of the day, the real motivator here should just be you know, do stuff that makes you happy because like how much time do we spend working? Yeah. Like if it's not enjoyable, what's the freaking point? you spend most of your life there. You've got to enjoy it. Yeah. yeah. I think you just need to like earn enough so that you're paying the bills and, and the family's well looked after. Beyond that, I think it's all about just enjoying it and then you're probably more likely to do well out of it anyway. You will. You know? You could take that, that mentality if you've got 30 years ahead of you. Yeah. Not three.
0: It's uh yeah change changes your mindset certainly
1: hmm okay can i keep interviewing you yeah <laughs> maybe we'll do that another time <laughs> all right
0: thanks dan thanks for coming along thank you we might leave time. It there. cheers
1: cheers oh we forgot to answer all the audience q a <laughs>